0: Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home. If you are new this morning in Columbus or here in Pittsburgh and we haven't met, my name is Kyle and we're so glad you're here today. We're also excited about a new series that we kicked off last week and the name of it's called Responsibility. Can we all say that in both locations? Responsibility. Yeah. Responsibility. What happens next is is all That matters. And so this series is learning to respond when something happens to us. And we're going to be covering a lot of different things over the next few weeks. And simply, this definition for responsibility is your response after something happens. Your response after something happens happens. It makes me think about a time where I didn't respond very well, because the truth is all of us get this right sometimes. And if we're honest, all of us at times get this wrong. I got it wrong a few years ago when we were uh, on a vacation. We were going to Disney World. The last day we were there, we went to Ormond Beach and we saw this sign that said, hey, drive your cars up on the beach. And so uh, they told me that it was okay to do it. So we had rented this Mustang. I paid an extra 18 bucks to rent a Mustang. We put it out on the beach, parked it, got our stuff went down we're playing in the water and my wife notices hey babe the tide looks like it's coming in because the water's getting close to the back tire so I responded right I'm like oh okay no worries so I'll go down there get the keys get in the car and start it up and instead of putting it in reverse because you know the sand is packed I was worried that you know it might get stuck because of the water that was coming in so I decided I'd put it in drive Well, the problem was the sand in front of me was soft. Long story short, I buried that Mustang in the the sand. So I immediately start getting sweaty and panicky, thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do? So I start digging out the back tires because on a, a Mustang, it's a rear wheel drive. And my daughter comes over and she's got a little sand scoop shovel. So I start using that. I'm getting I'm not responding the best right to the situation and my wife decides oh good a memory for vacation she starts taking a picture of me which makes it even worse and I'm frustrated and in the middle of all this this middle-aged man with a great big belly and speedos on comes over to me and says do you know what you need to do and I said yes I do you need to get back away from me And so he said, you need like, we need like three, four big men. We push you out. And I said, I'm going to push you out, right? (laughs) Burnt my hand on the spoiler of the Mustang. $150 later, the tow truck tows us out. And my wife says to me, as I'm seething, right? None of you have ever seethed before, but I was seething. I said, you know, I just don't know if I can enjoy myself. And my wife looked at me and she said, look at the kids. They're laughing at you. They always laugh, right? They're laughing. They're having a good time. You know, sure, this took three and a half hours to resolve, but we still have 30 minutes at the beach, so let's make the best of it. Your response after something happens, right? We've all been there before. Hopefully not that story, but you have a story like that. How do we respond when something happens? That's what we're talking about today. Because the truth is, God cares about what happened to you, but he cares more about how you respond to what happened to you. Let me just say that again. God cares about what's happened to you but he cares more about how you respond to what happened to you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Man, that is so true. And I just want to stop for a minute today and just say this. God truly does care about what's happened to you. He cares about what your uncle did to you that you've not told anybody about. He cares about Something that, that, that hurts you or someone that hurt you or something in your life that went wrong. You lost a child, right? In talking with people, you'd be surprised how many of us have lost a child at some point. An adult child or a child. The natural order of things is for us to lose our parents, but not our children. And that happens sometimes. We've had all kinds of things happen to us. And God cares about those things. But He also cares about how we respond when those things happen happen. See your response after something happens is your response ability and he cares about what's happened to you. Today we're going to be in part 2 and it's called facing opposition and the truth is God cares about how we handle Opposition. how we are able to deal with opposition in our lives. And, and so a lot of times in our life when we face opposition, there's several things that can take place. And as a result of that, sometimes we don't always handle it the best. For example, sometimes our, our family and our friends uh, can hurt us. Maybe a family member opposes us or a friend or a boss or, or a classmate or a coworker or a neighbor or some other person. They can hurt us, right? Just looking at that screen right there, we all have had one of those people maybe hurt us before or oppose us. And that's difficult to deal with, isn't it? And so as a result of that, what do we do when we face opposition? How do we handle that? Well, I think Peter could talk to us about it. Because in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, if you have your Bibles or you have the U Version app and you'd like to go there with me, we're going to see how Peter... Handled facing opposition. Peter was actually, uh, you know, one of Jesus' disciples, and Peter had messed up at times, but Peter was a man after, Peter was a rock on which God built his church, and Peter was just someone who wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And so here's what happens uh, in this story. What takes place in this story is, is that there was a king at the time, his name was Herod Agrippa, and he started putting out opposition towards, towards different people. Towards the early church. And so what he does is is he arrests and, and has James, Jesus' half brother, killed. And so he starts to realize that all the Jews, because they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, all the Jews like were like, Good job, King, way to go. And so, you know, Herod wanted reelected, right? He likes to please the people. So he says, You know what? If they responded to James getting killed so well, let's try that again. So they arrest Peter, right? And so this takes place and they're planning to put him on public trial for, you know, all these different things. And so as a result of that, Peter's immediately facing opposition. He's seen his Messiah die and, and resurrect. And now he's carrying the ball along with the other disciples. And so they're facing opposition. And he's shackled, Scripture says, on to two different guards with chains you know he's got these chains on him in fact scripture says there was 16 different guards if you count them all up that were basically guarding Peter along with those guards uh, guarding Peter there's an iron city gate that is shut and so there's all this opposition going on have you ever felt that way Like you've got chains around you, you're worried about something, you know, you're shackled to this financial debt load, you're shackled to your reputation from something you did a long time ago, or you're shackled to someone else's reputation that you're related to, that you wish you could distance yourself from. We have these shackles and then we have all these guards, right? All these people and things in our life that make us feel like there's no way out of it. That's where Peter's at. But then there's some responsibility that takes place. There's some people that respond in a way that, that makes a difference. Peter's arrested. He's facing opposition. And the church starts to respond. In fact, Scripture tells us that while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. See, rather than just freaking out, Rather than getting on the phone, the church starts going to the throne, right? I mean, how many times in our life have we faced something and we're worried about it, a bad cancer report or something that's just, you know, can be a really bad thing and we start, I know, girl, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what we're going to do. Or we're at work, man, dude. I don't know, you know, it's, just, it's pretty bad. Or we're, we're a kid and we're at school and we start telling our friends. We start going to the phone. We start talking to people instead of going to the throne and talking to God. Well, the church responds by going to the Lord. Let's read that together. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him, very earnestly very earnestly. Let's say that in both locations. Very, very earnestly. Sometimes it's not what you say, right? It's how you say it. What would happen if we started praying very earnestly on behalf of some other people? That's what the church does for Peter. See, A takeaway here from this this morning when we're talking about opposition. When facing opposition, respond in faith rather than fear. Folks, we are the church. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you're here this morning, you're the family of God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus in Columbus or here in Pittsburgh, you can choose to make him the Lord of your life and have a relationship with God. But the truth is, as believers, God calls us to respond in faith rather than fear some of us even in the church maybe sitting in here today and sitting in columbus this morning you are up against some opposition and you are full of fear and the lord wants you to know today that you don't have to respond in fear but you can respond in faith because we serve a god that does the impossible amen amen Amen. In other words, faith talks to God. Fear talks to everyone but God. Come on. Faith talks to God. Fear talks to everyone but God. Are we talking about our problem to someone else? Or are we talking to the one who created us, who holds us in his hand? So we see in this story where the church just starts earnestly praying, Lord Jesus, we ask in Jesus name, Father, that you would go and you would intercede for Peter, God, you would break those chains, you would you would free him, Lord. I mean, they just start praying this and God responds. God responds when people pray. He responds. And God's response was in Acts chapter 12, verse seven, Peter's still shackled in prison with, with, you know, two guards on either side and, and chains and shackles and the iron city gate and four total stations with four guards in each one, making up 16 different people guarding him. He's still got these same situations going on, but this prayer takes place. And suddenly, scripture says in verse seven, there's a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stands before Peter. Same jail, same shackles, same problem, and God sends someone, an angel, before the Lord. See, when facing opposition, remember, okay, the reason I said remember is because if we're, if we've been around the church at all, we know this, we just forget it. When facing opposition, remember, God math beats human math every time. God math, some of us just need to do our math differently, I mean, some of us are great at algebra and calculus and geometry and and math I've never heard of before, right? I mean, you're just crazy good at math. And sometimes when we're crazy good at math and, and we're able to control everything in our life logically through planning and preparation, right? That's what we're supposed to do. But sometimes because we're so focused that way, that we begin to put human math above God math. And the reality is, God math beats human math every time on paper. On paper. There's no way Peter should have ever got out of there. But you see, earnest prayer breaks chains. I mean, if we could see into the unseen world, you know, it's kind of like some of us have pillows that have like, you know, dust mites on them and things like that. And we can't see them, that they're there, so we don't really think it's there. We just keep sleeping on it, even though we really need to wash our pillowcase. Right? See, sometimes we don't realize if we could see into the spiritual world, the Bible talks about seen and unseen, we would realize that there's people walking in here this morning and in Columbus and even in Walmart and all over the place that they've got these chains called Pornography or anger or, or just loneliness or depression or anxiety. And you can over-spiritualize stuff, but you can also under-spiritualize stuff. And God's the chain breaker. He's the one that breaks chains. And, chain. and if we could start to see that when we pray, if we could see into the unseen world and see the power of God that's available to us, that we could tap into. I've asked uh, our worship team to come. Uh, Brian's going to lead us in this, both here and in Columbus. We got more message here in just a minute, but I want. There's a song called "Chain Breaker" that I've asked him to sing for us today, and it's just simply talking about how God can break chains in our life. And I want you to listen to the words. I'm just asking to be to just to be remain seated here in Pittsburgh and Columbus. I just want you to listen to the words of these songs. The song as we think about God being this chain breaker, because sometimes we just need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that our situation can be different. I want you to think about something in your life that you feel like has shackled you down. Or if you don't feel like you have any shackles, maybe somebody you know has shackles. How could prayer change that? Just listen to these words of these songs.
1: same old voice, tell the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost Shaking Savior, you got chains. He's a chain breaker. And we've all searched for the light of day And the dead of night. And we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run. We know just ain't right When there's a better life there's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom or Prison shaking, Savior If you got chains He's a chain breaker If you believe it If you receive it If you can feel it Somebody testify, testify If you believe it Receive it. If you can feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel alone, Way maker. if you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior if you've got chains he's a chain breaker if you need freedom or saving he's a prison shaking savior if you've got chains he's a chain breaker
0: such a such a great reminder this morning folks he's a chain breaker and we forget that sometimes we forget that he's this chain breaker we see the church being reminded of that instead of you know going in fear they go into faith and they begin to pray and God begins to break chains and what takes place is as he breaks chains Peter finds himself with an angel there and these and, and chains are broken. In fact, at the time, Peter thinks he's dreaming. If you read the scripture, he thinks he's dreaming when, when the angel leads him past all these guards. He thinks he's dreaming when he gets to this iron city gate and it just opens. Read the scripture. Read it for yourself sometime. But he starts to realize that it's real when he gets into the city and he's free and the angel disappears. And Peter, he responds in in chapter 12, verse 11. He says, The Lord has sent me his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned for me. The church responds in prayer when opposition takes place. God responds to the earnest prayer. And Peter responds when he's delivered by giving God the glory. I wonder if that would be the same pattern in our life when we face opposition. Whatever you're dealing with today, whatever you're dealing with today, Columbus, what would happen if we would start to respond, not just for ourselves, but for some people around us? See, I think that one of the things that Satan does to the church is we just say, well, you know, my life's okay. I mean, it could be better, but it's okay. And we just kind of get dumbed down and we don't start to realize, we don't start really to think or begin to realize that God calls us to intercede for people. Who are you interceding for? Who are you praying for? For those of us who've maybe been delivered in the past... Or, or here recently, are we giving God glory the way that Peter did? See, when God rescues you, we're called to respond with gratitude and give all the glory to God. Which means simply giving credit where credit is due. Has God delivered you? Has God been faithful to you? Has God brought you through a time where you didn't think you could go and God brought you through it? Give Him glory. Glory. Has God interceded in someone else's life? Give him glory. So how, how do we respond when we or someone we care about is facing opposition? You know, when your kid sits the bench instead of getting to play. When your husband still doesn't get it. When your wife still doesn't get it. When your kids who are grown and know better and they still don't get it. Do you respond with too much grace? Or do you respond with too much truth? See, some of us, we have a tendency to respond, well, you know what you need to do? You need to do, right? You need to do this and that and this. And God's like, don't respond like that. There's other times where our kids need discipline and we respond with too much grace and they need grounded. They need consequences. See, we've been talking about respondability on this side over here where, where we can respond when we're cut off in traffic and we get mad. But there's also this other side where we can respond and there's too much grace. We keep giving them money and they're an adult. And they don't ever feel consequences because we keep bailing them out over and over and over and we don't know we've done it, but we've kind of almost just declawed them, right? Or whatever you call that with a dog. I'm sure you got the name, but... See, Jesus said that here on earth you will face opposition. You will have many Trials and sorrows and wrecked plans. But take heart because I have overcome the world. If you're facing trials and opposition or your kids are, God's not caught off guard by that. He didn't cause it, but he's okay sometimes with us going through stuff. And he's okay with your child going through stuff. Because God's ultimate goal is to produce his character in us and that doesn't happen through us bailing people out or being too harsh on people. He reminds us just a sentence earlier, I have told you all this so that in me, y'all know someone that they can't be nice unless everything in their life's okay? If something's not right, they just can't be kind. They can't, you know, they're just anxious, they're worried all the time. The circumstances have to be just right for them to be okay. That's because they're controlling their life, not God. Jesus said, "I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me, not peace in perfect circumstances." So let's just break this down. I I rewrote this a little bit just for somebody like my daughter to be able to understand who's nine, ten years old, whoever would be that age. Don't be shocked when things get bad. It's part of living in a fallen world. Look to me and I will give you peace. Why do we respond to opposition like Jesus never told us it was going to happen? In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trials. In this world, people will pass away. In this world, people are going to do the wrong thing. In this world, someone's going to get sick. In this world, you're not going to get everything you want. And neither am I. And it's easy for me to stand up here and talk about that if I'm not living it. I get that. But the reality is, Jesus says that in this world things aren't going to be right. But how are you going to respond? The church prayed earnestly, God responds when people pray. Well, you know what? Pastor Kyle, I prayed for such and such, and it didn't happen for me. See, we can't see into the unseen world. When my grandpa got really sick, I prayed that he would get better. He didn't. But in my mind, healing was that he would get to live on this earth longer. I believe that God healed him in a better way. I can say that now. If you would have told me that a month, two months, even a couple years after that, I wouldn't want to hear that. So somebody in here, if it's fresh for you and you want to get up and leave, I get it. I would too. But the reality is, is after the infection's gone and the hurt and the grief and all that's gone, who am I to say how God wants to define how He healed my grandpa? What if we just walked in obedience? You have someone in your life that's facing opposition, or you're facing opposition? What if we just started praying earnestly? God cares about what happened to you, but He cares more about how you respond to what happened, what's happening, or what will happen to you. Because God's ultimate goal is for us to look more and more like Him and to bring as many people to Christ as we can. And sometimes people are brought to Christ through watching us go through something. So you're saying that God caused something to happen. No, but I'm saying he uses it. So this morning, I'm just going to ask us to stand in Columbus and here in Pittsburgh today. And here in Pittsburgh, we have these prodigal boards over here. What would happen as a church here in Pittsburgh if we... Prayed for the names of those people on the prodigal board with earnest. Some of you wrote those names on the board. In Columbus, you don't have prodigal boards yet, but you know prodigals. You know some people that, that are facing opposition or are broken or lost or struggling in some way. What would happen if you prayed for them today? What would it look like today if the Holy Spirit whispered something in your ear that's different than what you've been telling yourself? Would you be obedient to that voice instead of your feelings? I'm not sure what God wants us to do with this today. But when I planned this however long ago, I was going a different direction with this. And the Lord this week whispered in my ear that we needed to go this way today. So as we move into prayer time, if you'd like to come forward and pray here in Columbus, if you'd like to pray for prodigal boards or pray for prodigals over in Columbus, if you'd like to sit, if you'd like to stand, if you'd like to sing, if you'd like to not sing, however you need to get in a posture just to hear God speak, we invite you to do that today. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the chain breaker. Father, break some chains today in Pittsburgh and in Columbus. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's worship.